You're listening to Nightlight. Hi and welcome once again to Nightlight. So nice to be back with you on the air. My guest on the show today is a dear old friend who I haven't seen for many years, Kathy Gare. Kathy, it's been a long time since you were last on one of my radio programs. It's really, really great to have you back again. Hi, Simon. It's so great to be here. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Nightlight's interview of the week. Well, Kathy, we've been friends for a long time. I first met you in Greece, I think it was in 1981, when you were one of the resident artists and songwriters for the International Music with Meaning show when we had our studios there. I last saw you in Japan, I believe it was around 2004, and you had by that time gotten married to your husband, Peter. But after that, we lost contact and you just kind of disappeared <laughs> and I had no idea what happened to you. Just had to keep you guessing, had to keep you guessing. <laughs> anyway, for those who don't know you and for those who do know you, but also wondered what happened to you during the last 14 or more years, tell us about your life, your vision and what you're doing now. Yes, well, I started my missionary life um, many years ago actually right after Christmas in 1971. Yeah, it's been quite a journey. By the end of 1972, I was in England for a, an orientation time of about three months and then went on to the mainland, which was the continent, and was in Amsterdam for about a year and a half, or almost two years. Then went on to France, France for six years, then Greece, then Sri Lanka, then the Philippines, and many other countries. Wow, you've been so many places. Peter, my husband and I, our last mission post overseas was in Japan, where I last saw you. Right. And then after about 25 years, um, starting in 1980 at Music With Meaning, it had been 25 years since that we had been involved in audio production and music secretarial work, and we felt that it was time for a sea change in order to get prepared for the future. Right. And so in 2005, we came to New Zealand to explore various avenues, other avenues of, of witnessing outreach and being a blessing to others. We came here, we put down stakes, and we hit the ground running. And what I'd like to highlight here is that one of the most rewarding avenues that we pursued was, was that of being homestay hosts. Wow. And we really, really enjoyed that a lot. We had a website where international students who were looking for more than just, you know, a board and room, but were actually looking for a family. Right. And so we would correspond with them there. We could either find students ourselves or they would find us. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there were up to 250 students to choose from, and well, <laughs> we didn't have that much room. <laughs> so <laughs> I would have liked to, but we usually had maybe about one or two students. That's all that we had room for to house and to care for at a time. So that's what we've been doing. Plus, we got into property investment. When we were doing that, we were helping to house families that were doing it really um, hard, single mothers, 
people that were quite down and out, and so that was quite rewarding. Wow. Peter, who is, as you know, a handyman extraordinaire, was doing up properties and um, and developing housing for the needy. So that was quite good. Wow! God bless you. You've been you've been busy. You've been up to a lot. Nightlight. What a delight. By the way, Kathy, where are you speaking to us from right now? I'm speaking to you from the uh, Taranaki region of New Zealand. Where's that? That's over on the west coast of the North Island. In this part of New Zealand, there is a beautiful mountain called Mount Taranaki. Actually, when they were making the movie The Last Samurai, they shot some of the scenes for that movie here in this area because that mountain at certain angles resembles Mount Fuji quite a bit. Yes, I mean, that's an absolutely beautiful part of New Zealand, which I've seen in photos. Why did you decide to move down there and not live in Auckland or one of the cities? Well, before we came here, we were in Auckland for about 14 years. So we've only been here now for one year. We had a time frame for when we were going to be moving out of the city. Okay. Thankfully, that time frame, we believe really the Lord's doing because we left the big city in October 2019. And then, as you know, at the beginning of the year is when the coronavirus situation came. Yes. So by then, we were down here. We have crops growing and we're able to sustain ourselves and not be dependent on big city living. So it's quite good. That was the direction that the Lord gave us. So here we are. Is your vision related to the end times and being self-sufficient? Yes, yes. Here in the community, it's quite, quite small where we live, but already I've made a few friends and you know, being a light wherever I am. Also, I'm still quite active online with my Christian compadres, right. you know, whether you're in the big city or your little city, you know, your light can be as big as you want it to be, wherever you are. Yes. I received some correspondence from people over the years saying, why aren't you doing music? And what's your latest song? And I asked, too. I can't explain it. It was a little bit, um, I had to experience other things. I experienced the whole songwriting experience, but I felt that I needed to grow in other areas in my life. In being a homestay host, I feel that I learned how to be a mother. <laughs> I can't explain it. It makes me emotional. <laughs> because you had no children of your own. No, I never had any kids of my own. But <laughs> but my songs have been, have been geared to kids around the world. Yes, I mean, you've written some wonderful classic songs for children and adults. Yeah, I, I just I just never got pregnant, but I just got pregnant with songs, <laughs> with songs, <laughs> and, and a lot of children's songs, too. But um, being a homestay host, I, I think I really experienced what it was like to be a mother. And some of these girls, I tell you, they, they didn't have a clue how to take care of themselves. It was unbelievable. They didn't even know how to make their bed really? <laughs> or clean a bathroom <laughs> or even eat properly. Oh, dear. So it was just really um, rewarding to actually welcome them into real civilization. 
they thought they knew how to do things, but they actually didn't. Right. This one homestay, I, I taught her how to clean a bathroom. And I said, did you ever learn this? And she said, oh, no. I said, well, who cleans the bathroom at your house? And she said, my father. <laughs> and I said, well, when you go home, now that you know how to clean a bathroom properly, tell your father he's fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me. I feel all right when I'm listening to Nightlight. You're tuned in to Nightlight. And yes, you've written so many children's songs. I mean, all my children grew up listening to your songs, as well as countless children around the world. And I love them because they're all so cheerful and happy. And some of them I've, I've forgotten. Sometimes I go to the New Beat site and I go, and I see a title and I go, oh, that sounds like a good song. And I listen to it and I go, oh my God, that's my song. <laughs> I had completely forgotten it. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not just, you know, being modest here. It's true. I just forgot that I even wrote it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you got me emotional there when you're talking about children. Look, I never had kids, you know, I, I never did. And then when a, I don't know, I wasn't really prepared for this, but when I went through menopause, and then when you realize that you don't have any more targets, you know, all the eggs are gone, when you realize that, whoa, it was like I wasn't prepared for these deep feelings that I had. So sorry that I kind of lost it there when you said, oh, but you never had children of your own. Yeah. Anyway, I'm back. I'm recovered now. Okay. But I tell you, I'm what. that's one of the greatest joys was receiving the children's songs and mostly what i really loved about it was receiving the lullaby songs yes yeah that was really that was really really a happy happy time well look why don't we just take a break and listen to one of your children's songs and there's so many of them it's hard to choose many of them were sung by other artists but here's one that's sung by you Color of the ground 
We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. And our guest on Nightlight is Kathy Gare, speaking to us from her house in a small town in rural New Zealand. Kathy, you mentioned earlier about your homestay ministry of 14 years. Tell us more about that, and maybe you could share some of the stories of the young people who stayed with you, any that particularly stand out. Well, um, I have this one story. This homestay student, I'll call her Tony. Now, Tony came to us, uh, she w came to New Zealand on a working holiday visa, and we met her, and she was really excited to come and stay with us. She's Japanese, and she came to New Zealand. One of the reasons she came was because she was leaving behind a heartbreak situation. She had broken up with her boyfriend, and she just wanted to leave the country and go experience something really, really new. And the day that we met her was her birthday. And she really was excited about that. She felt that it was a really significant sign. So Tony was with us for about a half of a year. And during that time, at one point, she got quite despondent, quite discouraged, and almost in a depression. She didn't know what she was going to do when she went back to Japan, and she was feeling quite confused. And you know how it is when you're trying to minister to someone and you feel that all you can say is, God loves you? And that's where I was at when I was talking with Tony at this time. All I could feel that she could understand at that point was, Tony, you've got to remember, don't ever forget that God loves you. He loves you. He'll never stop loving you. And she was crying and weeping and into my shoulder. And so after she calmed down, I explained to her about salvation, and she received Jesus. Beautiful. And she related to me about how when she was a little girl, she had a playmate who went to a Christian church in Japan. And her friend said, we need someone to play the part of an angel at our Christmas play. Can you come and play that part? So Tony asked her mother, can I go to the Christian church? Because Tony didn't come from a Christian family. But her mother said, yes, you can go there and play the part of the angel. And Tony said that that was one of the happiest moments from her childhood was when she went to the Christian church and played the part of the angel and took part in the Christmas play. So it was amazing how after all those years that Tony came to us and she received Jesus. And after that time, she started perking up. She started feeling a bit better. Some job opportunities opened for her and she finished her homestay uh, with us and she went back to Japan and soon after she got back to Japan she met a Kiwi guy who is working there at the government TV station he does he's an audio uh, engineer and lo and behold 
This guy's name, his last name is Loveland. <laughs> and she wrote to me and she said, Kathy, you wouldn't believe it. I have a boyfriend and we're really in love. And his last name is Loveland. And you told me that God loves me and I should never forget. And now I have a boyfriend and love is in his name. <laughs> anyway, long, long story short, they ended up getting married. They've been married now for, hmm, I don't know, nine years. They just recently had their first child. We're in communication with them. And she told me she always remembers that God loves her because now her last name is Loveland. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I know. When you're, when you're witnessing, even even if you feel it, all you can say is God is love. It, it just comes down to that. And there you go. Now she's Mrs. Loveland. <laughs> that's a wonderful testimony. I know. It's a, it's a great story. I mean, I'm, I love that story. The light is always on with Nightlight. Another homestay story has to do with Ali from Saudi Arabia. Uh, before we started advertising our homestay online, there were some shops where we used to post our an advertisement of our homestay. We had a little poster and we put it up there at the supermarket and uh, a few other places where students would congregate. So one day I was putting up the poster at this one place and this guy was behind me watching me and he came forward and he said, what is this for? What is this sign for? And I said, oh, we're looking for a homestay if anybody wants to come and stay with us. He said, no need to put up this sign, no need at all. I am here. I am here to come to your place. I will stay with you. And we're like, wow, okay. Uh, <laughs> so I talked with him a little bit, and he was from Saudi Arabia. He had come to New Zealand to improve his English at one of the language schools because his boss in Saudi Arabia told him that if he didn't improve his English, he wouldn't be able to go up further in the company. He came for three months, and he had already been in the country for one month, and he felt that he needed to have more English exposure, and he had tried to join a few clubs, but they weren't accepting him, I think because of his nationality. So I got his name, Ali, and I, and I got his phone number. I said, okay, well, it's really nice to meet you. I'll call you later, and I'll just go home with my husband, and we'll discuss it. So I went home and told Peter about Ali, and so we invited Ali to come over so we could meet him together before we made our decision. And he was just so sweet. And we just felt that the Lord was in the room as we were talking with him and that it was really, really meant to be. We had Ali move in with us and he stayed with us for two months. And it was just a beautiful experience. And we found out that when Ali was in Saudi Arabia, sometimes he would travel to some of the Gulf states where he could get Christian literature. Wow. Or to Egypt, I think, where he could get Christian literature because he couldn't get it in Saudi Arabia. And he would go there in the bookstores and read and read and read Christian material 
and then he would just fly back to Saudi Arabia. Gosh. And so he told us this, and he said because he felt that Jesus was really talking to him. He didn't know too much about the Bible per se, so I watched one of the Jesus, there are many Jesus movies out there, you know, about the gospel and giving him a a visual presentation of the Bible. He was just sucking it up, just really, really enjoying it. And, and so then he prayed with me to receive Jesus, and it was just beautiful experience. He he really liked Peter and really looked up to Peter like a father figure. And uh, one time he was talking with his wife on Skype up in his room, and he invited me to come up there and meet her, which was like, wow, because that was a pretty big honor. He didn't invite Peter because, <laughs> you know, they hide their wives, but he invited me to come up and meet his his wife, so that was pretty cool. And so every Christmas time, when we send out our Christmas email, we send it to um to Ali, and he always he always responds. He always says thank you and Merry Christmas back to us. So even though we don't have a real regular dialogue with Ali, we know that he's still there. Shining bright through the dark night. You're listening to Nightlight. Another story is about Claire. Claire is Chinese, and she was just an adorable girl, just super, super sweet, just lovely. She was just a joy. I, I, I wish I could have kept her. She was just <laughs> beautiful. But um, she was with us uh, during Valentine's Day. She had heard about Valentine's Day at the school campus, and she came back and asked us, what is Valentine's Day? She didn't know anything about it. So we explained it to her, and Peter explained that he would be giving me a rose, some roses on Valentine's Day. And Claire said, wow, that's such a beautiful custom. You know, here's something we take for granted. But for her, it was just like, wow, I never heard about this. So Interesting. she got in touch with her father, and she explained all about Valentine's Day to her father. And she told her father, you have to give mom a rose on Valentine's Day, because that will help you both to love each other more. This was her interpretation of oh, it. Oh, that's so sweet. So, a few days later, after Valentine's Day, Claire said at the dinner table, she said, guess what? My mother received a rose from my father. I go, really? And she goes, yes, it's the first rose he ever gave her. And she's completely flipped out. She's just over the moon about this rose. I thought that was amazing. Just a little something like that. She just ran with it and and told her dad to do that. And then her father did it. So she told me that they're always going to do it now. Her father has promised to always give a rose to his wife on Valentine's Day. Oh, that's so cool. It's beautiful. It's, again, it's just something that, you know, ho-hum. Okay, here's a rose, Valentine's Day. For them, it was like a eureka moment, like like a, a metamorphosis. So... <laughs> Yeah, it was great. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, no, it's beautiful. I, I I don't know if I'm doing the story justice, but just to see the look on Claire's face, her face looked like a rose. It was beautiful. Oh, wow. Praise God. This is why you and others have not heard 
from me in all these years is because I just went completely whole hog homestay host. These homestay students, they were my life. I just lived and breathed them. Professor of love, I must confess, I'm hooked on what you profess. Lessons that you've given me are not so hard. In fact, they're quite I know that I don't have to know all the answers. Anyone can be a heart specialist. I don't have to know all the answers. Just this one requirement. Give love and encouragement to be like you, professor of love. The song recorded ooh, way back, must be in the early 80s, Professor of Love. And I thought it was kind of appropriate listening to these stories from Kathy and Peter's homestay ministry. The love and encouragement that they gave to their homestay guests, which made such an impact on these young people's lives. Inspiring you to draw closer to God, you're listening to Nightlight. Kathy, I know you have a few more stories that you wanted to share. Go right ahead. What's the next one? The next one I want to talk about is Jojo. And Jojo is from Colombia. Wow, those Colombians. <laughs> wow, it was so exciting having a Colombian in our house. We found her because she was staying at another homestay. And this homestay, believe it or not, all they gave their homestay students for breakfast was a banana. Gosh. And when she ate dinner there, she had to eat it separate from the family. Oh, that's so sad. I know, because it's not a regulated industry here. Right. So she was looking for another homestay, and then we found her on the online service. And uh, when she met us, she said, 
I want to move in with you guys as soon as possible. I'm sure. So we got Jojo, and she definitely got more than a banana for breakfast. And our dinners were always all together around the table, heaps of conversation, telling stories, finding out about each other. It was like an English class. Dinner time was like the highlight of all of our day. Yeah, it was great. Wow. So, yeah, Jojo, she came to New Zealand to improve her English because she wanted to pursue her academic career and she wanted to take PhD studies. And Jojo, her job was that of a mathematics teacher and her specialty in mathematics was teaching, get this, teaching mathematics through dance. What? Honestly, for me, mathematics, even just basic math is is a struggle at times. I tell you, that's another reason I way I alleviate stress. I give all the math, all the finances. I give it all to Peter. I don't drive. <laughs> I just, oh, I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so Jojo, that was her, her expertise was teaching mathematics through dance. So she wanted to get a PhD in this and write her thesis, but she needed to improve her English. So she came with us and stayed with us for six months. And then she uh, went back to Colombia. And in Colombia, she and her husband, who was also a mathematics whiz, she entered a competition. I don't know all the details, but this competition that she entered, and it had to be in English, she won the competition. Wow. And the prize was to go to Korea and present your specialty. So she went to South Korea and did her presentation in English about how to teach mathematics through dance. She sent us her PowerPoint because she wanted us to go over it and make sure her English was all, you know, just up to snuff. Mm -hmm. As her prize, she went to South Korea, gave her presentation. She went back to Colombia, and then some years later, her and her husband were offered teaching posts in Tasmania. Wow. And that was their dream. Their their end goal was to live outside of Colombia, overseas. Uh-huh. So now Jojo and her husband, they live in Tasmania. They have teaching jobs there at one of the universities, and we're still in contact with them. So it's such a rewarding feeling knowing the English that we helped to teach Jojo. Look where it's taken her and her husband. So that was a really great, a great outcome. It's never completely dark when you're listening to Nightlight. Nightlight. Okay, where should we go to next? Let's go to the Basque country. In Spain, right? Well, I didn't know anything about the Basque country. And then we received Ichakso. And that is her name, Ichakso. That is a Basque name. She has a Spanish passport, but she will tell you emphatically, directly, and with a very firm voice that she is Basque. (laughs) (laughs) So... We received Ichakso, and she came to New Zealand on a six-month visa to do an internship at the Maritime Museum in Auckland. Mm-hmm. Just about every night at the dinner table, it was Basque history lesson <laughs> with Ichakso. 
teaching us about the Basque country. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me. Oh, she just loves the Basque country. It was amazing. I, I don't even have to go there. I mean, I can't go there now because of COVID, but wow, I feel like I have been there both Peter and I, in fact, for Christmas, she was with us for Christmas. She bought us a book about the history of the Basque country. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God bless her. So at the Maritime Museum, one time she announced, oh, tomorrow they're going to have some children come for arts and crafts and a tour of the museum. And I'm, she said, I'm not looking forward to this because I don't get along with children. I go, oh, really? And she goes, yes, me and children, we just don't get along. She's a very, uh, very dominating person, very sweet, very um, dominion-like. Right. So I said, well, maybe it won't be as bad as you think. Maybe it'll be fun in some way. And she goes, okay, but I just have a funny feeling it's not going to go well. So the next day... At dinner time, I said, so how did it go with all the kids? She goes, well, actually, the kids really liked me. <laughs> I go, they liked you? Even though you don't like kids, she said, yeah, they liked me because I taught them how to do this, that, and the other. And because Ichakso was also a quite a creative type, quite artsy. Um, she liked to paint. She actually did some really nice um, sketches and she liked working with pastels. So th because it was an arts and crafts moment there at the museum, the kids really saw how good Ichakso was. So they were going to her and, and asking her for advice and help me do this and help me do that. So Ichakso's tune started changing. And long story short, Ichakso is now a teacher in the Basque country teaching children oh, and wow. she says she loves it she just absolutely loves it she because when she was with us she really didn't know what her calling was she had taken a course in tourism but she didn't know if she wanted to get into that but long story short this girl who <laughs> avidly said i don't like children now she's just completely smitten with children and is <laughs> teaching them and she's just loving it oh that's amazing it, it, it's amazing you know people say i'm not going to do that and then they end up doing it you know it's i think our homestay environment i think it helped them to um in the homestay environment we helped them in many ways with their personal life, like like I mentioned about how to be clean, how to clean, how to cook. Some of them didn't know how to cook. In fact, Jojo, Jojo didn't know how to cook. Her husband did all the cooking. Oh, dear. So I taught her some simple meals. And when she went home, she cooked them for her husband. And her husband was just so thankful. He personally thanked us for teaching her how to cook. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I think it helped them to see a sample of harmonious living yes. and how to arrange a home and how a home can function smoothly the way it's set up. Right. Like Ichakso said, my mother, her home is chaos. She doesn't know how to put things in the right place and so on and so forth. So, 
every little thing we realized was a testimony, was a witness to help these young people in their lives. Yeah, it's it's really good. Wow, God bless you. That's wonderful. These are wonderful, wonderful testimonies. Thank you so much, Kathy, for sharing these. Looking at my notes here, Kathy, I see there's two more testimonies that you wanted to share on this program, Sunny and Lulu. So Sunny came to us from South Korea, lovely girl, so sweet. We were so happy to have her in our home. She came to New Zealand on a working holiday visa. In Korea, her occupation was a physiotherapist, and she had a boyfriend there who was also a physiotherapist, and they worked together in the same hospital. Now, Sunny at that time, she was not a Christian, but her physiotherapist boyfriend was a Christian. Hmm. And before she came to New Zealand, he asked her that while she was in New Zealand, if she could please go to church, please do it for him. So she said, okay. And he arranged for her to attend a Korean church that was about 20 minutes away from where we lived. So she started going to the church every Sunday, and she was really liking it, really enjoying it, and she kept saying she was doing it for her boyfriend. <laughs> God bless so you. Sunny was with us for about six months, and then she met some other people from the church because now she had found her footing in New Zealand, and they invited her to flat with them. So she went and started flatting with these friends. And even though she was not in our home anymore, she and I would catch up on a regular basis, have lunch or coffee together, and just, you know, stay in contact. Mm -hmm. And at one of our little meetings, she said, Kathy, guess what? I said, what? And she said, I have a new boyfriend. I went, oh, really? So what's happened to the boyfriend in South Korea? Right. She said, well, I have a new boyfriend now, and he's a Christian from the church. And I went, oh, really? That's amazing. Well, if that's how you feel God is leading you. And I came home and I told the story to Peter, and we were discussing it. This is just what we assumed. Anyway, that perhaps maybe her boyfriend in Korea had asked her to attend a church, not only to be exposed to Christianity, but maybe perhaps he thought that it would help keep her in a safe place so that she would stay connected to him through this church. But lo and behold, she met somebody else at the church, and in less than a year, she got married to a lovely fellow named Ian wow. from the church. And at that time, her parents weren't able to come to New Zealand to attend the wedding, so she asked Peter and I to be her de facto parents. Oh. And it was such a beautiful occasion. I have a, a photo on my desk of the wedding standing next to Sunny with Ian at the altar. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful moment. So that's the, that's the story of Sunny, how she went to church and she found her husband. Oh, it just makes me giggle every time I think about it. God bless her. The light is always on with Nightlight. Okay, last story, Lulu. Oh, Lulu. Oh, oh, Lulu, she is so sweet. Lulu is from Vietnam. And 
Lulu is just like one of these people, and I'm sure you've experienced this, Simon. You know, it's like as soon as you see them, you you think sheep, sheep on sight. <laughs> you just know, you just know that right. they're part of the kingdom, even though they don't know it yet. Yes, but you know, you just can't go up to them and say. You're part of the kingdom, but you can see it. You can you can tell. You get that feeling inside of you, like, oh, finally, we've got them in our sights. Finally, we found them. So that's how it was like when we met Lulu. It was just sheep on sight. So she moved in, and we helped her get settled and signed up to her courses. And I always took them on a tour of the city to help them get oriented and. Uh, answer all their questions about how to live. Lulu had never been in a Western country before. Yeah, we had Lulu, and I think it was about maybe the second or third week, you know, slowly, slowly, I had been dropping seeds, dropping little scripture breadcrumbs, and I was having a little chat with her, and it led to Revelations 3.20, And I said, here, you want to read the verse? And she read it, you know, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And she paused. And I said, I just asked her, I go, where is that door? And she said, I think the door is on my heart. I said, that's right. That's right. And what are you going to do about it? He's knocking. What do you want to do about that? And Lulu said, I don't want to miss him. I don't want to miss Jesus. And so right then and there, she prayed and asked Jesus in her heart. It was so beautiful. I had never heard someone articulate it that way, that they didn't want to miss Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting emotional again. <laughs> um, so Lulu got saved, and she got really saved. And we started reading the Bible together, having classes. We went out and, and got her a Bible, bought her one. And, uh, yeah, it was just really beautiful to watch her grow. She's in Vietnam, back in Vietnam, as she went there after she finished her studies and got her bachelor's in computer science. And we're still in touch. And uh, yeah, that's the story of your sister, Lulu. (laughs) Encouraging you how very dearly Jesus loves you. You're listening to Nightlight. It's so touching, these stories. How many students did you have over the years? We did it for 14 years, and we had almost 100 students. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's just great. We had interns that were came here for the internship to be doctors, um, students, uh, people on working holiday visas. Yeah, it was a, a real menagerie. <laughs> Kathy, let's break for another song, and why don't you choose which song we're going to play? Well, I wanted to feature a song that Peter wrote, because he's my other half. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think it's a really great song, and I really like the way Voss sings. You know, his his fire is unquenchable, and so I think it's a good combination. And 
I like this song because it just really shows that that's what we're here to do in our life. We're here to offer people the ticket. Take my stereo and my laptop away Take my dog and my cool-looking shades Take my car and my cellular phone My leather boots, yeah, everything that I own You can have my guitar, my amp and CDs Take my apartment, video and TV I don't need anything, be it old or As long as I'm on that train sitting right next to you Cause I got a feeling It's time for basic necessities All that I'm needing Is my ticket to the heavenly Don't call the doctor cause I'm not sick Just breaking loose from the things that had a grip Maybe you're thinking that I lost control That I'm affected by drugs and alcohol Take my leather jacket, it's hanging on the wall While you're there, can you give my boss a call? Tell him I won't be coming in and that I'm through Let's clock it in, nine to five, got something better to do Time to 
nice to hear that song again might even be the first time i've played it on the show that's peter gear who wrote that song and your husband kathy is also a great songwriter oh yeah oh he's really a good songwriter well actually that's how we met when we met peter and i we didn't meet face to face i met peter on a cassette tape Remember at MWM, we asked the listeners to please send in their tapes and their music and everything like that. We had like a giant box full of all these cassette tapes. Someone was assigned to listen to all of them, but I think... I think it was he just got too overwhelmed with the with the task. That was me. I, I did. So I was asked to go through the tapes and find out what was usable and what was not usable. This actually, this was the beginning of my secretarial career. I thought, okay, we got to have a plan. We got to do this methodically. So I would, I listened to every tape and every song, and I would mark down which ones were good as is, which ones had good words, not so great music, which ones had great music, not so great words. And I categorized everything. And one of those tapes was Peter's tape from Australia. That's how I first met him. I remember that. It, it stood out, yeah. And I remember coming to you with this tape saying, Simon, Simon, we can use this as is. You know, thank God. Yeah. Yes, this was back in the early 80s in Sri Lanka, where we had a production center for the International Music with Meaning show, which was heard on hundreds of radio stations all around the world. We used to mail the radio shows out to the stations on cassette tapes. Not only did we produce over 100 shows, but many of the songs were released on various albums. And there's one song in particular that you mentioned that's very special to both of us, Mother Let Me Live. And maybe you'd like to tell the story of how that song came into being. Well, um, uh, during my audio studio and music secretary years, I battled a lot with comparison and feeling that the quality of my work wasn't good enough. I really want to give you a shout out, Simon, for how you really encouraged me as well as others. And I want to acknowledge how much that meant to me. Before I go into Mother Let Me Live, I want to relate the story about the time when we were auditioning. The auditions were going on for the Mary part in the Christmas drama. Oh, right. And of the candidates being considered, I felt 
that I was a definite write-off because of my American accent. Oh, I'd forgotten this. But I remember you made an extra effort to take me aside and you personally coached me in softening my accent to help me execute the lines in a more English neutral accent and tone. And lo and behold, the impossible became possible and I got the part. <laughs> and that drama of the first Christmas was heard on so many radio stations all around the world for many, many Christmases to come. But I forgot that story that you told me. Yeah, I remember you were coaching me and you said, now it's not God, it's not God, it's, and you took your little hands, you took your hands like this and you said, it's God, God. God, oh, it was. Dear. I still remember your little hand, your little hand movements. It meant so much to me to receive your help. <laughs> okay, back to Mother. Let me live again. You encouraged me with Mother. Let me live. Yes, when we were asked to write current issue songs, I was feeling overwhelmed and inadequate, and like I wasn't going to be able to receive anything. But we were doing dishes one night. And I was telling you, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get anything. And you said, hey, here's an idea. How about an anti-abortion song where the baby is singing to the mother? What do you think of that? I go, wow, that sounds really different. And, you know, you know me, anything different I'm really interested in. And so... We talked about it a little bit more, and I slept on it. And then the next day, I can still remember where I was sitting. The next day, I got that song. Like, wow, it was just came super fast. First, I got the chorus, and then I got the verse. It was such an amazing feeling when that happened. Thank you, Simon. Thank you so much. You really encouraged me. You really helped me. Yeah. 
Mother Let Me Live, written by Kathy Kerr and sung by Rachel. And that song, I believe, has touched the hearts of many pregnant mothers not to abort their babies. In fact, for some years, it was promoted by various anti-abortion societies. Nightlight. You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. Yes, you're listening to the international edition of Nightlight. Our guest is Kathy Gare. Kathy, we're running out of time, but before you go, please tell us about the book that you've written. The book is called Look and Feel 10 Years Younger in the Next 10 Days. And the, sub- and the subtitle is Affordable Secrets for Natural Beauty and Healthy Energy. And it's available on Amazon, and you can download it. It's an ebook. I wrote this because so many people would ask me. I, I would think I was sixty-three at the time. Now I'm sixty-eight. People ask me, "Oh, how do you look so good for your age?" Because this is this is no Botox, no collagen, no crap, no injections, no invasions. It's just what I talk about in my books. If you want to get it. There it is. Kathy, why did you come back on another show and talk about the health secrets that you share in this book? Sure, yeah, sure. I would enjoy that. Kathy, in closing, I know you keep a close eye on current events and we're certainly living in crazy and confusing and increasingly troublesome times. How do you personally maintain your peace of mind and your very positive, joyful attitude. Yeah. Well, it's it's really, really important. I'm, I'm speaking from my personal viewpoint and personal testimony. Really important not to get sucked into their maelstrom. That's what they want you. They want you to, to get you sucked in mentally, emotionally, which is going to transfer into physically and mentally. And so I have been thinking about that a lot recently, that um, God wants to have us really burgeoning with the fruits of the Spirit. And one of the all-important fruits of the Spirit is joy. For me, joy helps thrust me into the day with excitement and the thrill of walking with Jesus and hearing his amazing voice. It helps to balance my emotions and it helps to neutralize the daily anxieties. These are stressful times, full stop. It's happening. The end time events are rapidly being unfurled and more intense perilous times are here. But his force field of joy helps keep these events in proper perspective that all things are 
working together for good because we are His. His sauna of joy restores my peace and my strength is renewed because the joy of the Lord is our strength. When I'm in that joyful bandwidth, I feel the comfort. Not a sleepy, ho-hum state of mind, but the comfort of knowing that Jesus Christ is in total control. Okay, we're going to go out with Kathy singing the part of Mary in the musical drama of the story of the first Christmas, which Kathy mentioned earlier. And listening to this violin, I forgot, Kathy, that you're also a very talented violinist. Thanks for being with us on the show and sharing your many talents and stories and memories. It's been wonderful. God bless you. Thanks so much, Simon. It was great to catch up with you. I'm sending lots and lots of love to your Nightlight team. God bless them all. Thank you so much. We have so much to look forward to. So oh.